Hey, what's up, Restore? And welcome back to episode three of the Kindling Rhythms podcast. Uh, if you are in one of our meeting houses and you're watching this, I just want to say welcome. My name's Justin. I'm the pastor here. Uh, and we are right in the middle of a series where we have been unpacking a New Testament book of the Bible called uh, the book of James, uh, which is really, we say book, but it's really more of a letter. Uh, so James was a very, very early church leader uh, who is writing a letter to what is literally the very first uh, church, the very first group of Messianic Jews who are now following uh, Jesus as their Messiah and their Lord and their Savior. And so um, I sermon three was was tough for me um, because there's just so many levels uh, that I wanted to unpack for the sermon. So one of the things about James that's um, both beautiful and intimidating when we approach the book is that he's he's constantly bringing in this rich uh, Jewish history of literature and scripture uh, and weaving it into his into his letter. And so um, if you are a 21st century modern person who may not have all of that heritage and that culture and that tradition in your background, it can be very easy to read some of the things that James says and be like, oh, that's a cute metaphor, or what did he mean by that? When really there's just like all of these enormous kind of backstories of tradition and culture and wisdom and beauty and grace um, behind some of the things that he says. Uh, so we, we were in chapter three, we did the entire chapter this week. Uh, and so James is going to addre again address um, the issue of our words, and he, he's going to focus in a little bit on church leaders, um, but his implications really are for um, this idea that we are made to be whole relationally. And so he's, he addresses the leaders first because the leaders influence the, the community, um, but ultimately he's going to address the entire community, and he's going to um, finish his this portion of his letter um, addressing different aspects of what it looks like to be in a whole community. And so when I say a whole community, I mean a community that is whole um, or complete, or the word that James might use is perfect, um, which for James, the word perfect means a reality where we are um, and total trust and, and uh, submission to God and his love and his character and his wisdom for us in our lives. And because of that, that frees our hearts up um, to then turn around and love others around us and to love our neighbor as ourself. And so James will start this whole line of thought um, about how we are meant to be whole through our relationships um, by addressing how we use our words uh, to address one another. And he's, um, what he's really driving at is that our words have the ability um, to really dehumanize or destroy um, or desensitize even ourselves to injustice, to atrocities, to um, violence, to these things in which the image of God is violated. Um, we can very easily, through our words, uh, make ourselves apathetic towards that um, or complacent or even in worst case scenario um, compliant uh, with these kinds of things. And so James will 
um, really warn us heavily about the ways that we address people. And so we talked a little bit in the sermon about how we see this play out on a big global scale. Uh, and we, 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 we went through how, you know, World War II, you have this extremely undereducated, underqualified uh, leader, Adolf Hitler, rise to power um, with very little experience, very little credentials, and a terrible resume. And yet he ends up taking over most of the Western free world. And that's always baffled people for a long time. Historians have tried to figure out, like, how did this happen? How did somebody with that was this incompetent end up end up in this position where they were dehumanizing and responsible for the murder of of millions and millions of Jews uh, across Europe and across the world, really? Um, like, how did how did the entire world get plunged into war over this man uh, and his deranged ideologies? And and part of what uh, historians kind of agree on almost universally is is Hitler had understood how uh, oratory works, how our words work. And so he was able to use those words to convince an entire group of people and nations even to to dehumanize one group of people and and to sort of exalt themselves as as greater than or higher than another group of people. And so um, you see it play out on, 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 a, on a global scale. But I, I think that James also has uh, and he'll warn us about that. Like he 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 kind of keeps upping up the ante. So he'll say first, like your words are like a a bit inside of a horse, and you can it's a little tiny thing that controls the whole animal. And then it's also like a rudder that control controls a ship. Um, and then he kind of moves up to, or it's like a spark that sets a forest on fire. Uh, and then and then sort of at the end of this whole analogy, ends up saying, and the, it's really your words are something that can set the whole world on fire uh, in wickedness. And so. Um, it works certainly on a large scale, but it does work also on, on our own lives. Um, and I think that we all do this. Like, I think we all have somebody that we look at as, as less than human in some way. Um, and it might be with the words that we use to describe that person or that group of people, um, whether it's their political identity, their gender identity, their sexual orientation, their race, their nationality, um, their, their citizens, citizen status, um, whatever it is, um, how do we use, like how we use our words very much influences the way, um, that, that we will treat those people. I think we can even do it to our spouses to some degree. Um, even just using words sometimes like you're ridiculous or you're crazy or, um, right. Like we can ascribe these labels to them that don't really describe that aren't really befitting to describe someone who's made in the image of God. Um, and I actually think that we can also do this to ourselves. So I think that we all, uh, talk to ourselves and one way or another, we all have opinions about ourselves. And for some of us, we are locked in a cycle of self-condemnation and self-hatred and shame. And so the things that you say to yourself, um, dehumanize yourself. And I know that's a, might be a, a lot to kind of process and think through, but, um, I felt like this one was particularly relevant for me. So, um, a good portion of my life, I've, I've really maintained a pretty strong self-hatred or resentment towards myself. And so, um, part of part of one of the ways, anyway, that God's grace and God's overwhelming love for me had set me free 
um, was that I began to learn to talk to myself as an image bearer of God. Um, right. And that doesn't mean I, I needed to put like a, I am special sticker on my shoulder and start like walking around being like, look at me, image bearer of God. Like, what's up? Um, that's not at all like how that played out, but what it did do was it, it changed the ways that I would talk to myself. Um, and that's what James is ultimately going to get at is, is the ways that we talk to ourselves, to others. Um, if we are not acknowledging the sacredness of them, the image of God that's been given to them, uh, then we are very much acting against the grain or the fabric of the universe. And so that's where James will then transition to that second portion of this chapter where he, he again brings up wisdom. Um, and so wisdom is a tough one for us because, again, this is kind of one of those examples of, of James is drawing on a very rich, long tradition of wisdom in his culture. And so his readers and his church would have kind of immediately recognized that and had all of this kind of background knowledge on what he meant by that, whereas we are sort, sort of left out um, in the cold as to, like, what exactly does he mean by wisdom? And basically, the way that wisdom works, and we'll wrestle with this a little bit in our meeting houses uh, this evening or whenever you're meeting. Um, basically, wisdom, James saw wisdom as this fabric by which God created and architected the universe. It was the way in which the universe operates. It works. Um, and it, it works on a physical level. Like, you need wisdom to understand that you can't fly unless you're in an airplane or, you know, um, or... You also need wisdom on to to know how to relate to and treat others. Um, so wisdom is very important, whether you are parenting, whether you are working, whether you are at the grocery store, um, understanding how we were built to behave in the world, how the world behaves is what James and his culture had always understood as wisdom. And so one of the things that, that happened that I think is just beautiful was that as Jesus came on the scene and as the New Testament writers began to wrestle with this idea of what, is the, what does the wisdom of God mean, one of the things that they um, ultimately, one of the conclusions that they ultimately arrived at was that Jesus is the wisdom of God. And so to have wisdom is to have Jesus. And and so another way you can maybe think of that is to see the way the world actually works and the way and who we actually are and who others actually are. Um, we need to act and live like Jesus um, because Jesus is the representation now of humanity to God. And so there's like that we could literally have like four hours of, of conversations about what I mean by that. But um, I just want to leave us with this is that when Jesus united with us in our humanity, right? When Jesus, who is both fully God and fully human, that's some, that's a core belief we believe here at Restore that Jesus was not just a good teacher or a person or a prophet. Um, but we believe that he was in fact, God incarnate, God in the flesh. And so he was both fully God and fully man. And so when Jesus ended up uniting with us in our humanity, when God united with us in our humanity, one of the things that happened is we got to, we get to begin to unite with God, uh, in his divinity. Or another way that you might be able to think of that is that image that's been bestowed on each of us begins to be restored, 
um, through the work and the grace and the love of Jesus. Um, because all of us have life experience that has hacked away at that image in some way or another, right? We've had people speak words to us um, that have broken us. We've spoken words to others that have broken us. We've had people mistreat us. We've mistreated others. And all of these things uh, chip away at that sacred image that's inside of us, um, causing us to see ourselves as less than we are or causing ourselves to see others as less than they are. And so part of what happens when we are united um, in Christ and therefore um, united to God the Father, um, we begin to see that image restored in us. And so we begin to operate out of that likeness or that image bearing, that image bearing, um, that image of God that we bear. And, and so James will say that's wisdom because Jesus architected the fabric of the universe. And when he was here, he lived in a way that was appropriate for that fabric. Um, right, he lived in a way that was appropriate for um, the way the world has been designed and built. And as I mentioned in the sermon, like that's if you have a child, like this is a like you really realize this quickly. Like my daughter loves to play with everything, but has no idea what anything is. And so she, you know, one minute she's using my toothbrush to brush her teeth, like she sees me doing. The next minute, I catch her playing with it in the toilet. Um, hopefully, that was the first time she's ever done that. I, I sincerely hope so. I don't know how long she's been doing that. Um, right. But, uh, part of being a child is learning what's the fabric of the way the world works. Like what, do I, this is a toothbrush. What do I do with it? Um, does it go in the toilet or does it go in my mouth? Um, because the distinction is really important. Um, and, and, and that way you could think of, of Jesus in, in a similar way. Um, Jesus shows us how to live, like what our hearts are for, what our words are for, what our lives are for, what our relationships are for. And he helps us understand um, that this is for brushing your teeth and not something that goes in the toilet. Um, to just continue the analogy of my daughter um, brushing our toilet with my toothbrush. Um, clearly, I'm kind of processing, processing that still. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that's where we are tonight. Um, if you guys have questions, like I said, James has so many layers and there's so many things we could say. Um, but... If you've got questions about it, if you want to know more, please reach out to me. I, I would love to have a conversation. Um, I would love for, um, I would love to just sit down and dive into James because of just how many layers there are and because of just how it's impacted me in my own life. So um, please reach out. It's my great joy to meet with you guys. Um, anyway, I am praying for your meeting houses and I am praying especially that you would find this wholeness and completeness um, that Jesus offers us and that James is speaking of uh, in your own life, maybe today.